Thank you, Lord. I don't know about you guys, but there have been many times in my life that somebody would say something to me or text me or, you know, the body language would give me something that I'm thinking, um, there's more to it than this. And then all of a sudden, in my mind, I began to, Sam, I began to conjure up things that aren't even there. I mean, just, you know, I'm just reading into it. <clears throat> and, and my mind is, is, I don't know, I'll, just, I'll call it somewhat playing tricks on me. All right? But we can allow that to happen, can't we? Um, I heard about a lady who went to see a psychiatrist yeah, it's coming, Sam. <laughs> and she said, doctor, you've got to help my husband. And the doctor said, what's wrong with him? She said, he thinks he's a racehorse. The doctor said, how do you know that? And she said, well, he, he wants to live in a stable. He walks around on all fours. And um, he even eats hay. And so... The doctor says, well, I'm sure I can, I can cure him. I can take care of him, but I'll just warn you now, that's going to be a lot of time and a lot of money. And she said, the lady said, well, money's no object because he's already won two races. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure who needed the psychiatrist more, the husband, right, or the wife there, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, everybody just clap for that, that joke. That, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we got to get past that. All right. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not man-made, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Even though we're walking uh, around here in the flesh as human beings, there's an invisible war that's going on, and, and, and that's not in the flesh, the cool thing is, if you're a Christian, God has equipped you to win the war. As we read the scripture, the scripture, <clears throat> certainly these terms pop out as we read it. Terms such as weapons and, and, and warfare and strongholds. And it's as if uh, Paul has transported us to the front lines of a battlefield. <clears throat> and, and the reason for this is, is there is, and I want you to hear me now, there is a battle going on for your mind taking place right now. Right now as I speak, there's a battle going on. Paul compares the mind, in this case, to a fortress, and he says, your mind's kind of like a castle. Uh, it, it's constantly under attack. And the devil wants to make your mind 
hear me, his battlefield. He wants to make your mind his battlefield. All of us develop these mental strongholds, strongholds like fear and jealousy and and anger and depression and and lust and worry and all these strongholds. It's a, it's a, a bondage. Every bondage in our lives, whether it be an eating problem, which I don't have, but um, a, a drinking problem, it could be a drug problem, uh, a lust problem. Every single issue, every single issue. Everybody say every issue, every issue. is a thought issue. Is a thought issue. You change your thoughts, your life will change. Don't believe everything you think. Be be very careful what you think. Your thoughts run your life. In football, guys, sorry, women, and I'm not being whatever, chauvinist there. I just know that the women here, most of them. The team that controls the line of scrimmage usually wins the game. Now get this. Your mind is the line of scrimmage in your life. And whoever controls the line of scrimmage controls your life. The devil wants your mind today. He can control your mind. If he can control your mind, he can control you. Because the mind is the headquarters. It's the center core of who you are. And the Bible says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But Jesus came to set, listen to me, he came to set your mind free. To to bring you truth. to, To liberate us from the lies of the devil. But for some... Every, every time you hear truth, every time you try, every time you come to church, every time truth is trying to be planted in you, there's these strongholds that come across into your mind, built from the experiences that you've already had in your life, like, like, like disappointments and rejection and, and failures that have happened in your life, and they've been there so, for so long, it feels like we've, been, we've kind of got our foot caught in the stirrup of a horse, and it's just dragging us along. And in our mind, we have this defeatist attitude or idea, and it's hard to comprehend that you could ever find yourself back in the saddle again. That that you could ever feel good again in your health. That, That you could ever be the lender, Dan, instead of the borrower. You ever get on top of it? That you could ever be free from the scars and the reproach in your past life. And Satan, he don't care what it is. He don't care if it's anxiety. He don't care if it's discouragement. He don't care what it is, jealousy, just as long as it's something. He just wants to keep your mind occupied and focused on that so that it keeps you from knowing God. It keeps you from reading the Bible. It keeps you from praying. It keeps you from coming to church. The scripture said bringing every thought Captive. By the way, any thought that you don't take captive will take captive of you. The word captivity here means at spear point. That's what it means. It it means take it by force. We're we're the ones that have the control of our thoughts. We're, We're the gatekeepers of our mind. And when a thought comes in that begins to argue against God's ways, if you will... 
uh, we say to, to, to take out the spear. Take that spear out and put it up against the neck of that thought. And take captive of that thought before it takes captive of you. We've got to learn that the devil attacks you in his battlefield. And that's your mind. That's your mind. One of the things that 9-11 taught us is that you have to be prepared for the attack. And 9-11 also told us that we weren't ready for that kind of warfare. We were caught off guard because we didn't know who the enemy was. We didn't know how they were going to attack us. And same, the same thing goes in our life. The reason why life is so hard, why it's so tough, so difficult, is that there are these unseen forces around you. As I mentioned, an invisible war, the Bible talks about. I want to look at how to fight this battle. I want to look at how to fight this invisible war, this spiritual warfare. Uh, What kind of armor, what kind of equipment do we need? The Bible is very, very clear about this in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, this is where Paul teaches us about fighting these battles, the battle of discouragement, the battle of of depression and doubt and and despair and delays and, and, and difficulties and dead ends and all these types of things. All of them start first with the thoughts in your mind. And unless you're prepared for them, you're going to be taken out by Satan just like those twin towers were on 9-11. Ephesians 6-11. I mean 6. <clears throat> Here's what we're going to learn. The first thing that we've got to do is we've got to get dressed for the battle. We've got to get dressed. None of these huge NFL football players, I mean, you name any of them, as tough as they are, as big as they are, would ever dream of playing against the other team, stepping out on the field, the battlefield, so to speak, without putting on their pads and their helmet first. Not if, not if they want to win. Not if they want to win. <clears throat> Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 6.10. A final word. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies Against the tricks of the devil. I hate to tell you this, but you and I were born right smack dab in the middle of a battle. It's not something that you ask for, but there's an unseen war that's going on between good and evil, between you know light and darkness, between God and Satan. And, and God only allows Satan to exist, trust me, right now anyway, Because he's going to wipe him out. So that people like you and I have a choice. Because it's not real love. Listen to me really closely. Now, it's not real love unless you can choose not to love somebody. So God gives us a choice between good and evil. Uh, But in in this battle, Satan, I'm going to tell you something. Satan can't hurt God. So what do you do when you can't hurt somebody? You get your kids. Boy, you know, parents, no. You can mess with me all day long, but you mess with my kids. That gets me. That gets me. And Satan knows that. So the bottom line here is Satan often uses you to get at God. 
and he tries to hurt you. Notice the verse here says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand against all of the strategies and, and, and tricks of the devil. We've got a couple in here that say that I use strategies um, and when we play games. But, um, but that's just games. <clears throat> I want to tell you something, guys. The devil's real. It, he's a fact. That, that, he's not just a force. Uh, we like to joke about Satan, you know, put Satan. Uh, uh, but, but Satan, I, I'm telling you, he's no laughing matter. Satan is no laughing matter. Um, he, he hates you. I know that's hard to hear. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your career. He wants to destroy your finances. He wants to destroy your family. He, he wants to destroy your life. He'd be okay if you just take your life. Satan wants to mess your life up. And notice it says he has strategies and tricks. Satan is subtle. I mean, he's, he's, he's strategic. He's smart. He, he's way smarter than you. Don't, don't try to outsmart him. Don't try to outsmart Satan. He's not at the very least afraid of you. The good news is we were born to win this. And in 1 John, it says, greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. Satan is not afraid of you. But as a Christian, he's afraid of who's in you. He's afraid of who's in you. When the Spirit of God is in you, you don't have to be afraid of Satan. The next thing here that we learn is you need to know your enemy. Many of you think that your enemy is another person. <laughs> we all fight. All of us do. We think it's other people. We think it's the economy. We think it's our culture. Who's responsible for this mess in our culture and the economy right now? It's the Democrats. Oh, no, it's the Republicans. No, it's neither one. It's neither one. And you'd be wrong. Some of you say it's the gay agenda or, or it's the atheist or it's the Republican right-wing politics or it's, or it's the media. You'd be wrong in every single case. They are not the real enemy. Look at the, at the at scripture here in verse 12. It says, we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood. But what does it say? But against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world and against wicked spirits in the heavenly places. You're no match for Satan, guys. You're, you're try, you trying to take on Satan is like you getting your BB gun out and trying to take down a battleship. That's how crazy it is. But I want to tell you something. God can. And, and, and he has. And he will again. Then the scripture teaches us finally, and I'm going to spend the rest of my time on this. Use every piece of armor. Every piece. In verse 13, it says, use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil. If we're ever living in evil times, it's today. And it says, so that after the battle, you will be standing firm. Paul says, in order to stand in the end, you have to put on every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy. So Paul's writing this letter 
while he's in prison. You can just imagine this. He's, by the way, he's not just in prison. He's, the, he's a high-profile prisoner in prison. He's like somebody really famous that we know that went into prison, and, and he's high-profile. And, and, and the, the, the Roman Empire is huge at this time. It, like, covers all of uh, Europe and Asia today. And Paul, uh, taken as a prisoner to, to appeal to Caesar, the emperor of Rome, so he, he's not only in prison but chained to this guy because he's so high profile. He's chained to this, this Roman soldier 24 hours a day. Kind of put yourself or, 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 or get that in your, in your mind's eye. So while Paul's getting ready to write about spiritual warfare, he's chained to this Roman soldier. And he sees all of the garb that he's wearing. And he says, hey, cool, an object lesson. I mean, it's show and tell today. I can, I, this is cool. I go back to school and kind of, it's a neat thing. I can, I can, I can kind of use this to parallel the, about spiritual warfare. And so he starts comparing every part of the Roman soldier's gear, his weaponry and his, his, his armor to, to spiritual weaponry to help us in our lives, to, to guard us and to protect us from things that, that can happen to us on the devil's battlefield in our mind. Things like depression that I've said before and lust and worry, bad habits, doubts, all these things that get you down. So here, we're gonna look at this today. The first thing that they do, the, the, the Roman soldiers do is they put on this tunic. It's kind of like a red long johns is kind of what it looks like. But then the Roman soldier puts on his belt. And if you've ever seen a professional wrestling, lifting, either one, they wear this big, you know what I'm talking about, big, thick, heavy belt, and they, and they cinch it up real tight so that it, it gives them support and gives them stability. It's what holds them together, strengthens their core. And in this case, it also holds the Roman soldier's weapons. So Paul starts this parallel in verse 14. He says, so stand ready with the belt of truth. Tight around your waist in, verse, waist in verse 14. The belt of truth, it gives you stability. It gives you, uh, it gives you strength. If your life isn't based on truth, then you're going to find yourself in this shifting sand, if you will, with no core strength at all. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, for the person who builds his life on, on, on my truth is like a guy who builds his house on what? A rock. He puts it on rock, and, 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 and when the storms come, I'm good. I'm good. But he said, if you don't build your house or your life on the truth, it's going to be shifting sand, and, 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 and it's going to be, you're going to be blown over. How does this play out in our life today? The belt of truth represents integrity. Integrity. To win a battle in your mind, the first thing that you got to do is you got to put in your life integrity. It's the belt that holds everything together. You need integrity. You need moral integrity. You need, you need relational integrity. You need financial integrity. You need sexual integrity. You need integrity in every area of your life. It, it, it doesn't mean that you always do the right thing. That's not what it means. Everybody slips. Everybody makes mistakes. Integrity demonstrated is that you just act the same way with everybody. You're the same. You don't, you don't act one way at work and then the other way at church. You don't act one way at home and the other way with your friends. 
Integrity is knowing the truth, but not just knowing it, it's doing it. And that's what provides stability. It holds you together in the middle of the battle that we're talking about that's going on. In the tough time, it gives you strength. The next piece of armor that Paul talks about is the breastplate to protect the heart. Of course, the other part of the body armor would, would cover the rest of the vital organs, the lungs, the liver, and so on. But no soldier goes out into the battle without the breastplate and the body armor. Uh, 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 Paul's trying to help us with our spiritual battle uh, on the devil's battlefield in your mind by sharing this with us. In verse 14, at the end, it says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. So Paul ties this back to righteousness. What's righteousness? Righteousness is purity of my heart. Purity of heart. That's what it is. So how do we apply this piece of armor to our life. Purity. It's, it's keeping our motives, our motives pure. Let me show you a couple of verses in Psalms 24. Who may ascend to the high, to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? In other words, who can get close to God? And the answer is, he who clean, he says, clean hands and a pure heart. And a pure heart. How many want to get close to God? A pure heart. This just means even when I do the wrong thing, how many of you have ever done anything wrong? Nobody. I know better. We all know better. It just means I regret it. I, I, I regret that, that I did that because I, I want to do the right thing. That, I mean, my motives are pure. I want to do the right thing. And that's a pure heart. God said, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If you want to be blessed, blessed, blessed in your family, blessed in your business, blessed in your finances, you, you've got to have a pure heart. God will not bless an impure heart. It's the word of God. It, it, is your heart pure today? Talent's not, a, <laughs> talent's not the key to success. If you want God's blessings, you have to have pure motives. Pure motives. Satan loves to attack us with impure thoughts, doesn't he? <clears throat> He'll attack you with moral impurity, pornography, movies, songs, books, with streaming TV, where there's no filters anymore. You, you mean like... They, they show everything, they, they, they say everything, everything. They do everything. You see, mind pollution is far worse than physical pollution because your mind is the devil's battlefield. When you allow just anything to go into your mind, you're just dumping fuel onto the fire in the battlefield. Crystal shuts down, boy. I can't watch anything. She's so sheltered, right? No, 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 no. She chooses, she chooses not to sear her own conscience. By, by filling her mind with that junk. She's, she's got the guts to say no. She does. She'll get right up, out of here. Some of you might say, oh, that stuff doesn't bother me. I know I've said it before myself. If your conscience is clear, 
and pure, it would bother you. The fact that you can sit and listen to that kind of language and, and it doesn't bother you means that you don't have a pure heart. If you don't have a pure heart, you're making it easy for Satan to just come right on in. Another way that Satan uses to drive you to impure thoughts is greed. If he can get you wanting more, if he can get you uh, 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 less content, if he can get you wanting more, he'll get you to cut corners and, and, and cheat and to accept shady business deals and, and he'll... He'll try to get the door open through some kind of success in your life or, or praise or applause. And you have to keep your heart pure, guys. If you don't, you're going to lose the battle that's being played out right in your own mind. But on the other hand, Satan fears the person with a pure heart. He fears him. The next piece Let's move on. The next thing is the soldiers he puts on for battle are his shoes. Uh, these shoes are like, they have cleats on the bottom of them, the Roman soldiers. It's almost like our athletes today. They put the cleats on and so that they can kind of take a stand and hold their ground. And in the verse 15, it says, on your feet, wear the shoes of good news, prepared to share the gospel of peace, to help you stand spiritually, to help you stand spiritually. How many need some help? To help you stand spiritually so you don't fall. This impacts our relationships, guys. Uh, you need peace in your relationships. There are three kinds of peace. Peace with God, peace with myself, and peace with everybody else. We know this verse by heart, but Jesus said, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Be in harmony with God. Be in harmony with your neighbor. Be in harmony with yourself. You've got conflict in your relationships, and you open the door to Satan's attack on the battlefield in your mind. And without the shoes of peace, Satan just pushes you over. It's like a football player that's trying to play with no cleats and everybody else has got them. So for this, we need serenity. Serenity for living and speaking, living and speaking the gospel of peace. It's like the inner confidence that, that you have, not in yourself, but in God. If you don't have serenity in your life, like if you've got anxiousness or, or, or you're worried, you have no footing, and, and once again, you're vulnerable to the enemy. And Psalms 119 says, great peace, not just, I mean, we're talking about great peace have they who love your law. What's the law? It's the Bible. And nothing can make them stumble. Another translation says, great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can offend them. The more that I love the book, the more that I love the scripture, the more that I study the word of God, the less I'm offended about what you say. An inner confidence grows inside me. Follow me on this. Satan's going to attack your integrity with lies. He's going to attack your, your purity with lust, but he's going to attack your serenity with worry. Every time you worry, you get fearful, you get anxious. You're leaving yourself vulnerable again. Get your shoes of peace on. So Satan can't push you around. Something to remember, no matter how hard you try, you can't please everybody. In Romans chapter 12, verse 8, he says, As much as it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live in peace with everyone. God says, be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Be, be, you know, build harmony, not conflict. Don't, don't be critical. Be a peace builder, a bridge builder. The Bible says, 
uh, uh, you do everything that you can to reconcile a, rec- uh, a relationship uh, and because un- unreconciled re- uh, relationships leave the door wide open for the enemy to come in. Think about that. Think about your relationships. Second Corinthians, we're going to move on to the, the, the second part of what I was saying. They're not just living but speaking uh, the gospel of peace. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. You and I are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Most of us want to live in, fe- in peace, but we don't want to speak peace. You might be too afraid. People are scared to death to talk to others about Jesus, who's the Prince of Peace. And this world needs peace today. Tell me the good news. Tell me the good news. Tell me the good news. God, God's not mad at you. God's mad about you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. He died for you on the cross that, they, that you too can have peace with God. Paul goes on to say, in this spiritual battle, the next piece of armor is the shield of faith. In verse 16, it says, and at all times, like, like don't even go to the grocery store without this. Carry the shield of faith. For with it, you will be able to put out all of the burning arrows shot by the evil one. Can I imagine this in your mind? How, how does this help us today. The shield of faith is is certainty. It's certainty. Um, Certainty is trusting the promises of God. When when everything, not not just trusting, but when everything is going wrong, when nothing's going right, that's the shield of faith. I know what God said, so I'm going to trust him when all these arrows are flying at me. There, There used to be a saying, God said it, I believe it, it's done. It should be, God said it, it is done whether you believe it or not. Because God's truth isn't based on whether you believe it or not. What what God said about sex is true whether you believe it or not. What God said about marriage is true whether you believe it or not. What God said about money is true whether you believe it or not. With the shield of faith, you have this certainty that God's promises are true. Even when it appears that everything in your life at this moment Going upside down. King James Version says, he uses different terms, says the fiery darts. What are the fiery darts that come at you? Well, they're mental darts that are being shot at you by Satan, shooting at your mind. And doubt is flying. That's a, that's a fiery dart. And, and, and discouragement's a fiery dart. I, I'm never going to get better. You know what? I, it, it's only going to get worse. Why even try all fiery darts? When these happen in your life, Pick up the shield of faith. Pick up the, field of, uh, the shield of faith. You need certainty about the promises of God. Guys, in 2020, with all the pandemic and the financial unrest, the racial unrest, uncertainty is just swirling around us. The, the shield of faith will help you doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs. <laughs> A lot of people do the opposite. We believe our doubts and we, we doubt our beliefs. That's dumb because whenever you start believing your doubts and doubting your beliefs, Satan has just entered into your battlefield. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. The next part of the army, 
armor is, Paul says, to put on in verse 17, you need to put on the helmet of salvation. Now, the purpose, purpose here is probably pretty obvious and, and, and to protect your mind from evil thoughts, from, from sanity. <clears throat> if you're going to win the spiritual battles over doubt and discouragement, depression and all these other things, you've got to learn how to control your thoughts. And Paul says to protect your mind from evil by putting on the helmet of salvation. When I, listen to me really close here, when I put on salvation, it's not just a covering for my head. It's a brand new mind. It's a brand new mind. The helmet of salvation. And if you don't have Jesus Christ, if you don't have him in your heart, if you're not a child of God yet, you've got zero protection Zero protection against Satan. None whatsoever. Satan's not afraid of your thoughts. He is afraid of God's thoughts. It's amazing what we allow into our minds. We read and think and, 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 and we listen to. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says, Keep your mind on things above, not on worldly things. You can't choose, guys, everything uh, that happens to you, but you can choose what you think about. You have 100% control over that. When you choose to think on things that are good, when you choose to think on things that are, are true and right and just, you just grab the helmet of salvation and you put it on. When you think about each of these things, integrity and purity and, and serenity and, and peace and, and, and certainty, you know what that is? It's a pretty awesome picture of Jesus Christ. Isn't it? Last one today, Paul says, put on the whole armor of God, every single piece. So let's not forget about the word or the, the, the sword. That, that's where we get real maturity. Maturity is using, listen to me, maturity is using the word of God. Hear me now. Using the word of God against Satan. Some of us have been coming to church for years. We've been hearing lessons and teachings for a long time. But maturity is when you practice the word of God, not just know it. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, it says, though by this time you ought to be teachers, but you still need somebody to teach you the elementary truths of God's word. You need milk, not solid food. Anybody who lives on milk is still a spiritual baby, but solid food is for the mature who by constantly practicing have trained themselves, that's maturity, to distinguish good from evil. Here's what he says. Maturity is when you know the Bible so well and this idea, maybe a bad idea, pops up into your mind and you can quickly go, that, that's not of God. I know that's wrong. I, I shouldn't do that. I should do this. You, you've trained yourself. To, you, you've practiced right from wrong. Uh, you're, you're becoming mature in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ and go on to, to maturity. And faith in God. A sword, by the way, guys, is very important because it's our only offensive weapon here. Everything else that we've talked about, the shield and all that, is defensive. The sword is our offensive weapon. This is when you go after Satan, you know, rather than him coming after you all the time. Uh, this is when you, 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 you're, you're taking territory, you're, you're, you're expanding, you're enlarging the kingdom. You're saying, you know what? 
I'm coming after you, Satan. You know what? You're not going to get my family. You're not going to get my job. You're not going to get my career. You're not going to get my marriage. Take your hands off my kids. You're not going to get my mind. I'm coming after you. In verse 17, he says, you take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Grab your sword. That's the Bible. That's exactly what Jesus did when Satan attacked him. He said, it is written. It is written. It's written, and he quotes scripture to him. The Bible says it, can't, it, it, it can cut, and it, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Listen close. The Bible doesn't become your sword. Listen to me very closely. It doesn't become your sword until you know it. It doesn't become your sword until you memorize it. If you don't know it, it might as well be sitting on your shelf collecting dust. It's of no value to you at that time. But if you memorize like a good verse and you put it in your mind, remember, that's where the battlefield is. You put it in your mind. Now, now it becomes a sword. Now it becomes a sword. Without the sword, the Roman soldier had no power. Can you imagine the enemies coming at the Roman soldier? And he says, oh, geez, I forgot my sword. It's only when you take the truth from out of the Bible and you put it into your mind and you remember it that it becomes the sword. Just memorize verses, by the way, that, that, that it help you to give you power to overcome, to win in the areas where you need it. Do I need to memorize the whole Bible? No, just try, just try using the verses or getting the verses that help you to that most, where you're most tempted. You know, if, if you have a problem with impatience, then, then you have to find some scriptures about patience. If you're having problems with, with anger, then you got to find some scriptures for that. If you have problems with wandering eyes and lust, then you got to find scripture for that. If you're spending too much money, find scripture for that. Memorize the ones that you need. I've got a few that I'm going to share with you on the screen here. And I want to keep them up there throughout the rest of the message. I'm closing so that maybe if there's one out there that you could maybe take a note. I encourage you to use your sword. I encourage you to memorize some of these things that maybe could help you. Then you're going to have a sword in, in, in mind, in mind, and ready to use on the enemy. Your words, guys, your words are no weapon. But, but when you quote the word of God, that's a mighty sword. There was a woman who invited a man to come and live in her home, though she wasn't married to him. It was more an economical arrangement than anything else. And after a while, her conscience began to bother her about it. She knew that it was wrong, and she asked the man to leave. But he refused. Shall we stand together? He said... You invited me here, and I'm not leaving. My, my clothes are here, all my belongings here, and I'm not leaving. And she said, I demand for you to leave. He just laughed at her. You can't make me leave. You, you're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You can't put me out of here. So she started pleading with him. But he said, I'm not going. And he continued to stay. She was so embarrassed and she was so humiliated and, and still convicted about him living in her home. But she didn't know what to do. 
So she finally, she talked to a lawyer, and the lawyer got the judge to issue this injunction to get the man to leave. He had no legal right there, this injunction said, and he, he needed to move out. And she went back to him, and she gave it to him. And she says, now, I'm asking you to leave. And he began to cry. And he began to complain. But she stood her ground, her legal ground. And she left because, or he left, I should say, because he knew, he knew that he had to go. That now, there was power there. Behind it, he knew he could, you know, just her. Listen carefully, the devil is just, is just like that when it comes to your mind. There are some of you here today, can we just close our eyes for a moment? There are some of you here today who have given a place to the, de to the devil, to the enemy, and he has come in and made himself at home gotten some stronghold in your heart and in your mind and in your life and you asked him to leave but he won't leave you demanded him to leave and he's just chuckling at you you begged him now to leave tell you something for people who are struggling here today and the enemy is just jacking with your mind messing with your mind all you have to do is go to the source of power you can go to the throne of heaven and you go straight to your advocate Jesus it says that in the Bible and you call on the name of Jesus. Whew. Just like the word of God says, and demanded to leave. And the mind games will go. You see, we do have weapons they're much more powerful and they can tear down any stronghold in your life and when you have victory guys in your mind in your mind you'll have victory in your body you'll have victory in your soul you'll have victory in your